0: On a Sunday morning in Las Vegas, I'm Brian Feldman, and this is Out of Line. We're here every Sunday morning at 8 on Fox Sports Radio, 98.9 FM at 1340 AM, flagship of the Vegas Golden Knights and sister station of Raiders Nation Radio. Um, Me and social media director, Spencer the Wiz Ostrovsky. I knew it was there. Uh, That's right. Spencer does have his own theme music and well-deserved, but we're coming to you live from the residential bank Corp offices in Henderson, Nevada, and uh, producing the show back, in the Fox Sports Residential Corp studio is Chris Magnum Chapman, who is also the locker room reporter for the Vegas Golden Knights radio network. The reason we are located in different places is because the pandemic that began in March of 2020 continues to keep the majority of us out of the Fox Sports radio uh, studios and uh, working remotely one day, God willing, Lotus Broadcast. Maybe they'll let us come home, Spencer. I want to come home. E.T., Phone home, man. The show is also streaming on the LV Sports Network, and you can watch the show on Facebook Live and YouTube. The page is called Out of Line. That's O U T T A L I N E. Watch the show on Instagram and Twitter, and follow the show at Out of Line Fox LV. And since we are live, your calls and questions are welcome. The Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp. Studio line is 702 876 1340. Hi, this is Bubby and it's time for What's On Tap. What's on tap, brought to you by title sponsor, Residential Bank Corp. Whether purchasing a new home or refinancing the home you currently own, Residential Bank Corp is the company to turn to for all your home financing needs. Residential Bank Corp, funding America one neighborhood at a time. And don't forget to ask about the new, incredible discounted payment options on Move-In Ready Wedgewood Homes, available right now all over Las Vegas and Henderson. Call 702-964-5720 for details and to get information on all the home financing options currently available in the state of Nevada. On tap, the Vegas Golden Knights regular season is off to a perfect start. We'll hear from Bruce Cassidy and a couple of the Vegas Golden Knights players in a minute. What was a three-game UNLV very promising winning streak has turned into a very ugly two-game losing streak with a bye week and then a very tough road ahead. We'll talk about that. The Major League Baseball playoffs are one team away from both league championship series being set. And if uh, by any chance your major league playoff bracket is still perfect, give us a call right now so I can put you on the show and call you a boldface wire directly uh, to, your, uh, to you personally because um, there's no way in hell you're picking this one out. <laughs> the Raiders are on their bye week, and it probably couldn't have come at a better time for Josh McDaniels. If you've been watching, you know why. We'll talk about that. And it's week six in the NFL. Um, We'll highlight the big games. Don't place your football bets until after you've heard from the scooper with today's pick and parlay. That's what's on tap if you are looking to buy a home or to refinance the home you currently own. Choose a company you can trust. Residential Bay Corp Funding America one neighbor at a time. Uh, Call 702-964-5720 for details on all your phone Uh, your home financing options in the state of Nevada today. Fumbling a little bit, but it has been an incredible uh, weekend of sports to this point. Got some big games going on today, both football and a huge uh playoff game in the divisional playoffs the final could be the final one for the new york yankees unless they find a way to beat uh the cleveland baseball team is it okay if i call them the cleveland baseball team i don't think that's wrong right can i just call them that i I, i'm sorry i just can't wrap my arms around the guardians i'll talk to you about that later on it just sounds like a professional lacrosse team nothing wrong with pressing a professional cross, a real cool sport but it's not major league baseball and of course cleveland a long time team, maybe not with a lot of success, but a name that goes back a long time. We won't mention it, but we'll we'll call them the tribe. How's that? I can call them the tribe, right? That's what my friends that live in Cleveland call them right now, they call them the tribe, so we'll do that. I'm getting way out of line here, but then again, that is the name of the show. Listen, before I get way off, Mark Spence, let's go ahead and get to nightcap. Hockey players, as you know, are warriors. They don't give up. They come to play every
1: game. It's time for Nightcap, a cup full of the Vegas Golden Knights. From highlights to interviews to special events,
0: the puck starts here. All right, there we go. Hope you magnum. Okay, cool. I can hear a little bit. There we go. Just a little issue with that set. Hey, real quickly, uh, the, the um, I should say the puck does start here. And a uh, huge start for the Golden Knights. Uh I don't think that unexpected or that surprising. It's the third time though, in their brief five-year history, they've started three, and know, um, they started against the LA Kings. I, think I had that as a loss in my book initially, even though it was game one. The last two games, I did expect them to win. We did expect them to beat Chicago, although I think Chicago is gonna be a better team than most of us expected before the start of the season. Looks like they got a pretty good net minder and they played really well against the Golden Knights, both ends of the ice. They played in the neutral zone well. The Knights snuck out of there with a one nothing win, uh, their first home win, and then of course, they went up to Seattle, a team that hasn't found a remedy to beat the Golden Knights at their 0 and 5 overall. And uh, yesterday was their fifth consecutive loss to the Golden Knights in their brief history, which started last year. Uh, Knights went big. They had five goals after two periods. It looked like Aiden Hill maybe pitch another shutout because of the night before um, we had, uh, we, we had our, our ace goaltender pitch a shutout, Spencer. and uh, And now to see. Uh, Aiden Hill come in and follow up what Logan Thompson did the night before. It was pretty good, and all of a sudden, we feel better about our goaltending, I think, a little bit now, although it is pretty early, so we will have to see. Um, what I will say at this point in time, Chris, and I know you're back there, you've watched this, uh, what we're seeing is an exciting brand of hockey. We're seeing a coach that I really think even reminds me a little bit of Gerard Gallant and the fact the players like him. He kind of made a funny in the first home press conference when somebody asked him about them missing in the empty net, and he <laughs> said, you know, I um, I want to see the puck go in the net. I mean, that's the object of the game, right? But before we get to you, Chris, real quickly, I do want to play what Bruce Cassidy did have to say um, after the game uh, in the press conference, kind of the way he came in and started that off.
2: So that part of it means we're we're hitting our goals. You also have the process part where you want to play the right way so that you can win on a consistent basis and today there was pockets of so that. There's pockets there wasn't we weren't good enough and in other nights it'll cost us so we'll look at that part too i mean you always have to but it's a tough league to win and that's our job is to win so we've done that so we've checked a major box um, at the end of the day i thought we were better in la cleaner than we were tonight um, so we'll, we'll focus on that and get ready for Seattle now and see if we can keep getting better. Uh, Nobody awards anything in October, but you can't get behind the eight ball either, so fortunate for us, we're not. Two wins, Uh, but let's keep building our game.
0: Oh, there we are. We're back. Okay. Sorry about that. I'm having a little technical difficulty hearing you, but I should be okay. But Bruce Cassidy, um, as you can hear, um, does like what he's seeing from the from the Vegas Golden Knights, is pretty happy with the way that they are uh, they're getting things done right now, Spencer. And I know that's that's really big um as far as them liking what's going on with the Vegas Golden Knights and uh you know him being happy with the team, seeing the goaltending the way that it is, having two goaltenders when everyone was concerned, who was going to be the starter. I think people felt comfortable with Logan Thompson getting the initial nod. Aiden Hill they weren't sure about. I'm not sure what's going to happen when Lauren Brossois comes back. We're not going to see Robin Leonard this year, so we don't have to worry about that controversy until next year. But I think what we've seen in the first three games, especially the pitch a shutout in game one, I should say the first home game against the Chicago Blackhawks, and then you have last night against the Kraken. Aiden Hill pitches a shutout for literally with, there was like six and a half minutes to go in the third period before he gave up his first goal. That really bodes well for the Golden Knights, at least moving forward at this point, Chris uh, happy with what you've seen from them so far.
1: Yeah, look three, three win or three games, three wins. You certainly can't complain about that. Every game, a little bit of a different type of victory, you know, game one, you had to grind out that win against LA uh, you get the late goal from Mark Stone, which which was you know, I, I don't know if you could have scripted it any better. Uh game two, you come home home opener against a, a Blackhawks team on the second night of a back to back. Uh you know, tough start for the Blackhawks, but they certainly showed up to play here in Vegas and, and it turned out to be a really good game. And you get Paul Cotter, who who was kind of the story of, of training camp, step out on the ice coming off the, the out of the penalty box and he scores the winning goal in that game for a one nothing win. And then last night you get the absolute demolition job of the Seattle Kraken. Look, um, Keegan Colasar gets the Golden Knights on the board 12 seconds into the game. He's the guy who I anticipate having a, a really good season for the Golden Knights. You know, it's the same story with him where he puts himself in really good positions. It's just a matter of, of him finishing. And I think we're going to see a little bit more of that from him this year. Jonathan so has the two goals. Riley Smith with the goal last night. But Brian, I mean, look, there you, you certainly can't complain with the way that this season has started. I'm I'm sure Bruce Cassidy's probably watching the video and he's probably not thrilled. There's probably other things and cuz he seems like he is a perfectionist, as I imagine all hockey coaches are. But what what I notice with Bruce Cassidy is he 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 tells it like it is. Like he doesn't sugarcoat things. And the key thing for me that really stands out oh, is Bruce Cassidy holding holding board. people accountable. Right, Accountability was a word that was thrown around a lot last year in the locker room, and it almost to the point where it sounded like there wasn't any accountability last season. I don't know how accurate that is, but there's accountability this year because you've seen Bruce Cassidy will put guys out of the lineup one night. He will bump guys down in the lineup if they're not playing well And I think that's a lot to be excited about, Brian.
0: You know, the fact is he will mix up lines. He already has. I like what he's doing. I like the fact that the line change, a lot of people were, you know, were surprised with maybe the opening night roster and not seeing some of the guys like Ben Hutton, who we thought we probably would for sure see to start the season up with the Golden Knights and not to be. And yet a guy like Paul Cotter, who had a great camp, ends up coming up with the Golden Knights and it plays well right off the get go. Who would have thought that his second period goal against the uh, Chicago uh, Blackhawks would have been the, the the only goal, the deciding goal in the game. And what a big goal for this kid. He doesn't turn 23 until November. Kid out of Michigan, so you know I love him. And uh, and he doesn't like the Detroit Lions. He's not a football fan, which is kind of cool. But, um, you know, really, really a neat thing when talking about this game. And we're going to get to Paul Cotter in a minute. I had a chance to talk to him after that win. Um, Chris also had a ch- chance to talk to Riley Smith uh, in the locker room after The um, Vegas Golden Knights win over Chicago, and he also talked about, Riley Smith also talks about the play of um, Logan Thompson, which has been key to the Golden Knights. They're earning his confidence. I think they already have. I think he did last year, but really cool to see, as Chris mentioned, March. So two goals in the game last night, three goals in March. He already has Three goals in three games. You know, well, he didn't get a goal, obviously, in game two where they only scored one, but he's led this team in scoring in two of the first five years. And what a great start for this kid this year. You can't beat it. Um, Riley Smith, a big goal from Mark Stone last night. You want to see Riley Smith score goals early. That was good. Colasar, as Chris mentioned, eight seconds into the game, a really, really nice goal. Getting that very quickly in the recognition. And, uh, you know, they just never really look back. They really look. Good. And it was also nice seeing Shea Theodore get his first goal of the season. He, he rounded out the scoring in the second period of when it became five to nothing. And they really kind of sat on the lead a bit, a little bit in the third, which gave uh, Seattle a chance to score a couple of goals, but they have Seattle's number to this point, five wins against Seattle. You know, what's really cool is eight Vegas Golden Knights players in three games have all lit the lamp, which is huge. You have 11 Golden Knights players that have accumulated points already in three games. That is excellent. You've got a shutout. You nearly had to this is the kind of start you want to see this team get off to and the prominent guys Mark Stone having a goal already Jack Eichel of course have scored a goal all of them multiple points It's really big, and I think everyone, I think all but maybe five players on the team last night had at least one shot on goal. You can't beat that, and that's what they're looking for. I know that's what Bruce Cassidy's looking for when he talks about this team, but um, as I mentioned, after the game uh, in Chicago, I did have a chance to catch up with Paul Cotter and talk to him about getting his first goal of this season and it coming early and ended up being the game winner, which I think even surprised him. Quick, Paul. Um, You you take that penalty and then you get out of the box. How cool is it to be able to get out and redeem yourself that quickly?
3: Yeah, that's a special feeling. Uh, That's cool. I was shaking in the box. Uh, I don't know if it was the best call by him, but should have had my feet moving. And they did a great job. Our penalty kill did a great job. Uh, As soon as I got off the box, I just wanted to get to the bench right away. And they went the other way, so I went to the zone and got a lucky break. So. I'm um, uh, thankful I cashed in on that one. I needed it. As you said, We're second game, football. first
0: goal of the season. Great to get that one out of the way, move forward. But how big was that for you? It's big.
3: Uh, well, I did the same thing last year, so uh, now I need to, to make sure I do better than last year.
0: So the next game is even more important. Did you think for a minute that that goal was going to hold up and be the only goal of the game?
3: Not a chance. Uh, never would have imagined that one. Uh, but, hey, it worked out. So. Thanks,
2: for him we need it right it's the only goal of the game so he could shoot the puck we know that he's got separation speed we know that you know he's working on trying to get inside we saw a lot of that in la didn't quite finish but um and we'll take goals from from everybody uh that the mark of a good team is if your top guys don't have it a certain night or aren't finishing and or your power play doesn't you need other people today only took one so team defense obviously deserves some credit, PK got it done, Logan um, happens to be Paul's that the, the guy tonight who scores and we'd like to see more but we did see it in training camp. So this uh, you know this is not a big surprise. He's been pretty concerned from day one.
0: And uh, Paul Cotter, I think this kid has a tremendous upside. It was The cool thing was the enthusiasm he showed after he scored the goal in that Chicago game. You know, that typical, come on, let's go, but you love to see it. And I really like this kid. I think he is a great addition to this team. I think Brett Howden, another tremendously young, talented player, and of course, Logan Thompson. All those guys playing on the Henderson Silver Knights, the majority of last season together. Really cool to see them all coming up this year and showing that the feeder system Works at every level, and especially right here in Las Vegas, it's kind of nice to get a chance to see the Silver Knights just down the road from here, as a matter of fact. Man, we're like a mile away from a, a Dollar Loan Center Arena, so pretty cool. Um, but that being said, Chris also had a chance after the game. He spoke to Riley Smith a little bit, and I like the questions. The last question when Chris asked him about the gold carpet was kind of funny, and Chris followed on, but uh, Chris had a chance, and this is what Chris does, man. You can see what he does in the locker room after the games.
4: Yeah, he's got a lot of confidence himself. Um, he's come in camp and, and he uh, wanted to prove himself to everyone. I think he's done that um, and I don't think he's gonna take a step back. So uh, he's a talented goalie and I think he's gonna keep on taking steps forward. How important is it
1: for the conference of the team to win
4: tonight the way you guys did? Yeah, you're gonna have to win a lot of different ways um, when you're playing games and a lot of different opponents. So it was nice to get a win tonight. We weren't perfect, but uh, some big saves, some good clears. uh, It goes a long way, so we'll take the win, move on,
1: and we'll have a much different opponent next time. When you guys have an opening night like tonight, there's a little bit of maybe, I don't want to say nervous anticipation, but maybe sometimes you sit in the locker room a little long or there's a little bit longer pregame than usual. Does that kind of throw your rhythm off a little bit? I didn't notice anything like
4: that. Um, You know, I, I think... Our media team and and everyone doing the in-game broadcast, they do a good job. So we know the timing of everything uh, in advance. So you can time yourself accordingly. It's nice to be back in this building with a full crowd. Um, They give us a lot of energy and uh, it's big for us to win because, you know, support is huge. How cool is the gold carpet? Yeah, it's cool. It's not uh, my cup of tea exactly, but uh, it's nice to be able to interact with the fans.
0: Uh, you know they're here supporting us all the time so uh, it's nice to be able to get back I kind of like that with he was uh, yeah yeah, Riley Smith's not a gold or red carpet type of guy man that's just the bottom line it's whether he liked it or not was the difference it's just not his thing he's like uh, you know Riley is one of those guys when you say lead by example I mean Riley Smith's picture could be put next to that he's one of those players that just goes out there puts in the work plays as hard as anybody on the golden knights team and might be one of those guys one of the intangible players that you don't realize if you're not a true hockey fan i know mags you you definitely realize how valuable a guy like riley smith is to a hockey team there was a reason he wears the a for being one of the alternate captains and there's a reason he is still with this team as being one of the inaugural misfits uh for lack of a better term but um Riley Smith is a big part of this team, and it was nice to see him get a goal last night.
1: Yeah, Riley's the guy who who quietly just goes about and, and does his business. Uh, doesn't take a lot of penalties, but he he's a guy that you can rely on night in and night out to go out there and, and do his job. You know, sometimes a, a guy's measure is not always, uh, or a guy's worth is not always measured in just goals and assists, although Riley certainly provides that. It's leadership. In the locker room that he provides, he leads by example. Um, he, he, like I said, he, he's one of those guys who, who I, I, I've been told that he's a different guy behind uh, when when the, when the locker room doors are closed than he is in front of the media. So if that's true, then 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 good on him because um, you know I, I I think he he's always been very cordial and good with with the media, but he's a guy who who has a lot of respect. In the locker room, and a guy who from day one has had a lot of respect in the locker room from from Gerard Gallant all the way now through Bruce Cassidy. Um, you know, respect is earned in the NHL, and Riley Smith is a guy who's gone out since you know his days of playing. You know, he's he's had a couple different stops before he got here, but he's always had that respect in the locker room, and he's a guy. Look, the Golden Knights rewarded him again this past summer with a with a, with a contract extension. Uh, gonna pay him five million dollars a year. So, so certainly the team sees the value in Riley Smith. I hope the fans see the value in Riley Smith. I, I know you and I certainly see the value in Riley Smith. And look, he he's a guy who who's a good player. You know, he's he's not an all star player, but he's a good player. And you need good players. Not every player is going to be an all star. Uh, but Riley Smith is consistent. He goes out and does his job night in night out. And that's what that's what you need. You need a locker room full of Riley Smiths. to to be a successful organization. And and he's one of those guys, 32 teams around the league, if they had an opportunity to have Riley Smith on their roster, they're certainly going to sign Riley Smith.
0: I agree. Riley Smith's the kind of guy that can that can accentuate other players, turn them into all-stars, because he's a great complementary player. He's solid as a two-way player, an excellent passer, and if you give Riley Smith an opening, he'll put the puck in the net. He does everything you need to do, the little things and the big things, and that's what makes Riley Smith special. I agree with you 100%, Chris. A guy we spoke about last week, ironically, Nicholas Haig, who last Sunday, just a week ago today, uh, we weren't exactly sure, uh, what was going to be the future with Nick. He signs a contract, finally, uh, you know, gets himself taken care of. The Knights wanted Nick Hague He was a future defenseman for this team. I think they saw the upside in a young guy that could play the game can be a solid defenseman, has good size, good puck awareness. And Nick Hague, we saw him. He's been in all three games now. Uh, somebody that I think um, Bruce Cassidy is counting on is being one of the starting six defensemen on this team on a nightly basis. And uh, Chris uh, got a chance to ask Bruce Cassidy about um, Nick Nick Hague in the, uh, at, in the postgame press conference after the Chicago game. Chris
1: Chapman, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Nick Hague signs Tuesday. He's in the lineup tonight, obviously missed training camp. How difficult is it for a player to just jump into a lineup like that? Especially an early season game, and, and just what did you think of his performance?
2: Uh, I thought Nick was fine. I mean, I'll look at it. There's probably gonna be a few burps here and there from, from, from rust or not playing. Um, only he can answer like the timing part of it. You're skating, but you're not competing at a high level. So missing time, so it's like the first exhibition game. A lot of times, players are just off because they're not used to it. Bodies flying around them, uh, full rinks. You know what I mean? The, the ice condition, all those different things that go into it. Unfamiliarity um, you know, with some of the players. Some of them are new to them. So uh, he'll will get better as we go along. Um, like a lot of our guys, I, I, you know, I still think there's other guys that have, you know we're still finding our way. I, I bet Chicago would say the same thing. and A lot of teams throughout the league, that's just the way it is early in the year. And you've got to fight your way through it. He's no different.
0: I gathered from that uh, the bottom line is Bruce Cassidy likes Nick Hague, and I think he was happy with the signing, and I think he was even part of it. We're saying, "Hey, we need to get this guy signed," and uh, they've got depth now. They've got depth really everywhere, except you know the biggest question is still goaltending. I, regardless of the fact that three games they're three and zero, you've had nearly two shutouts. You know, it's still going to be a test of time, and it's going to be a test of whether Logan Thompson, because I think to be a starting goaltender in the National Hockey League, you've got to be able to play minimally. 50 games you've got to be a net to be considered the starting goaltender really more like 55 and then you need a guy that's going to be able to come in and play another you know 25 to 30 games for you that can they can get it done maybe less you might have maybe it'll take a a, a team of, of goalies maybe two or three uh, when it's all said and done because it's going to be interesting as I said when Laura Brassois comes back what is going to happen with him you got Michael Hutchinson down in, uh, in the Silver Knights he's a 32 year old veteran that really is probably at the tail end of his career. So what is going to happen overall? I think right now, initially, I don't think Bruce Cassidy or the players in the Vegas Golden Knights could be any happier with what they've gotten net in the first two games with Logan Thompson and last night with Aiden Hill. I think that that's exactly what you're hoping to get out of him. Aiden Hill, ironically, what maybe people don't know in his last game in San Jose, he had a shutout. So that would have been back-to-back shutouts technically for Aiden Hill, which would have been pretty cool. And again, he shut him out until about six and a half minutes to go in the Third period. So overall, a big win. The Golden Knights now, um, things get tougher. They're on the road again against the Calgary Flames, a team you don't want to look past, but a very winnable game for them. And if they win that game and go 4-0, then they get to come home for three games back to T-Mobile Arena. But it is not going to be easy. Talk about opening up with three tough games after the initial four to get set in. And thank goodness I think they got the four games under their belt. Or they're going to have the four games under their belt before they come back because even though they'll have the friendly confines of T-Mobile Arena, you're going up, you start off, Um, This coming Thursday night, it'll be against the Winnipeg Jets, and you already heard Chris talk about Winnipeg pretty much in detail a couple weeks ago, how this is a team that should not be overlooked, as they are going to surprise a lot of people, except for maybe hockey enthusiasts. Who understand this team is pretty damn solid. Then after you get done playing Winnipeg on Thursday, you, you get rewarded with the Colorado Avalanche coming to town Saturday. They look every bit as good as they did last year, if not better. And we're talking about the reigning Stanley Cup champions, probably right now the number one rival for the Vegas Golden Knights. I don't know if the Colorado would consider Vegas their no- number one rival, although there's still bitterness of them knocking them out of the postseason a couple of years ago. But Colorado is going to. Be be a tough out and a tough win for any team on any night in the National Hockey League this year. That is a team, I'm not going to say a juggernaut, there's some really good teams in the NHL this year, but Colorado, I mean, these guys, Nathan McKinnon might be as fast of a skater as anybody in the National Hockey League, and this just is not a team you can overlook. They're really strong. Landis as good as any, any team in the league, as I've mentioned, and then, what do the Golden Knights have to end their road trip? Well, on Monday night, a couple nights after that, they get Austin Matthews and the Toronto Maple Leafs coming to town, and the Toronto Maple Leafs are a team on any night that can play as good as anybody in the National Hockey League. And Austin Matthews, you know, top three player for sure. Is he the best? Is he not the best? Very, very difficult to say. That will uh, that will be re- left remained to be seen. So we'll find out about uh, what the Golden Knights are made of. In the next four games, you know, Calgary again on Tuesday. And then those three big home games, I'm looking really forward to that game against Colorado on Saturday night. I don't know that I'll be at the Winnipeg game, but I'll definitely be Saturday night to see them play the Avalanche. And we'll have all we'll talk about all that next week. So for right now, we'll leave it at this. The Golden Knights, great start to their season three. and zero, as good as anybody could hope you can not have a better one than that. Let's put it that way. And again, they play again Tuesday night. Let's go ahead with Fact This Fence facts this. Fact this! If you don't like the facts, take your ass back to bed. Fact this. It is a fact. After winning three games in a row and four of their last five games, their first five games, UNLV's football team was manhandled um, in a forty to seven loss at San Jose State a week ago. A Friday, and again last night at Allegiant Stadium against the Air Force Academy. This could be a loss that sends them reeling, obviously, in the wrong direction. Uh, They lost starting QB, Doug Brumfield, to an injury a week ago, and he is in contention protocol, according to Arroyo, and neither backup looked like they can get the job done. Cameron Field, I understand, he was last year's freshman of the year in the Mountain West Conference. Played eight games, did an admirable job uh, in in filling in for Doug Brumfield when he was hurt last year. Uh, he looked completely out of sorts a week ago on the road at San Jose State and looked worse yesterday. I mean, I'll tell you what. He started the game off two nice drives, turned the ball over on both of them, a real bad fumble on the opening drive where they took it right down into the red zone. That could have been huge. Didn't work out that way, and uh, that was a problem. And then finally, late in the game in the fourth quarter, uh, Arroyo finally brings in the kid from Tennessee that everyone was waiting to see, Harrison Bailey. I think he had a couple of broken fingers on his non-throwing hand. He was taped up a little bit, and he literally fumbled two of the first three uh, short shotgun Now He he didn't really fumble them where they went to the ground, but he mishandled them, let's put it that way, and it may be due to a problem with his fingers. I didn't ask Arroyo about that after the game. Um, I did ask him about Brunfield, and you'll hear that in a little bit. But um, after the game, this is what Arroyo uh, had to say. Uh, disappointed in, in the way we took
3: care of the ball and, and offensively and put ourselves behind the behind the stakes, that's, that's the bottom line. Um, disappointed in the way we started the game, moved the ball, didn't take care of it. Um, and I got to do a better job uh, as coaches and take care of the football. We've done a good job all season for the most part. But we can't put you can't put yourself uh, behind the eight ball versus a team uh, that's that, that effective. And uh, to give them extra possessions um, is not something that, that is in, in the cards in regards to playing this team effectively. So. Um, we got to do a better job. I
0: got to do a better job, and we will. And I'm excited to move on to next week. And, uh, you know, you, you heard, Royal. what I will say about it. And uh, Yesterday I had the opportunity to um, to do the uh, pregame show, uh, pre-pregame show, let's put it that way, at Allegiant Stadium with Chris Chapman and then Paloma Vilicana from uh, Fox 5 came on with us as well. We were talking about the show. Chris, you know, you heard me. I-, I couldn't have emphasized enough on the pre pregame show. One thing is a fact, and I said it, Chris, I, I probably said it four to five times throughout the pre pregame show yesterday. One thing is a fact Air Force is going to run the football, they're not going to throw. They're going to run and run and run. They are the nation's number one rushing team in the country. They didn't hurt that statistic yesterday with over 400 rushing yards. They've got a three-headed monster back. They're really two really good running backs and a pretty good running quarterback, a guy that can't really throw the ball well. He's not going to throw the ball very much in the game, and he didn't have to. Right from the get-go, they did exactly what we knew they were going to do, what Arroyo and everyone on the UNLV coaching staff was going to do. They were Going to run the football. They did. They did it convincingly. They did it effectively. And they exposed UNLV's defense several times in different ways. It was disturbing and disconcerting. We knew that this could potentially happen. And Chris, you made a point yesterday, and I don't want you to backtrack from it now, but you made a point in the pre -pre pregame show yesterday a couple of times how pivotal of a game this was for both teams and how much a loss. Could affect both teams, and yet that's exactly what happened. Now, not just a loss, but a loss of this magnitude. What does this do to UNLV going forward?
1: Well, it, it, it sets things back a little bit, Brian, because you know the, the the thing is, this team was four and one going into a game what nine days ago at San Jose State. They had an opportunity to really kind of assert themselves as a. Uh, force in the Mountain West, right? Make a statement that, hey, we we are the team that's going to compete for a Mountain West championship. Air Force started the season one and two in the Mountain West. They knew any any chance that they had of winning the conference hinged on how they did last night, right? If they lose last night, any chance of them winning the Mountain West is gone. Air Force showed up in the big spot. Unfortunately for UNLV, the last two weeks have, have kind of shown that maybe maybe we were wrong about this team. And look, I wasn't in the the, the presser last night. I, I'm part of the broadcast team with Russ and Caleb. So, um, you know, I, I I didn't get to hear what Marcus had to say. But did anybody ask him about the way that they were setting up the defense? Because if you watch the way that they, they set things up, there was a, a, a cushion. They weren't lining anybody up over the center. And there was a big cushion of like three or four yards between the line of scrimmage and the first line of of defense against their their rush attack. I I, I don't know if, if he was asked about that. I don't know if he gave a reason for that. Uh, but, Brian, look, the the, the the tone was set very early last night in that game when Cameron Friel fumbled on the very first possession, and it wasn't even a big hit. The guy just ripped the ball out of his hands. Um, Then he fumbled again, threw an interception later in the game, I said in the pre-pre-game that UNLV would need to play a near-perfect game. The funny thing, Brian, I don't think they had any penalties. I think there was only one penalty called in the entire game last night. And it was on Air Force for a hold late in the second quarter. But, I, I, I mean, I guess if there's a silver lining, it's that you didn't commit any penalties. The problem is you had four turnovers. problem is you couldn't stop Air Force all night. Their quarterback completed one pass. They brought it, it got so bad that Air Force finished the game with their third-string quarterback in there. Yep. They threw three passes the entire night, completed one, and still put up 42 points. UNLV now travels to South Bend, Indiana, and what you were kind of hoping for was, hey, they win this game and the kids can go to South Bend and they can really enjoy the experience taking in, playing at Notre Dame. Now all of a sudden you're looking at a situation where if you don't win that game, you're, you're now 500 when just a few weeks ago you were 4-4. Four and four. I'm not going to make excuses. I know, I know excuses aren't something that, that fly, but there are reasons. And I think what we saw last night and what we saw against San Jose State is Doug Brumfield is leaps and bounds better than any other quarterback UNLV has on this roster. It's not even close. And the drop-off is significant. And when you take away Doug Brumfield, really you take away any threat that UNLV has to move the ball and put points on the board. Because they scored seven points against San Jose State last week. They scored seven points against Air Force this week. Brian, that offense, like we can look at the points, but look at the numbers. They were absolutely shut down offensively. They did nothing. And Aiden Robbins got banged up. He didn't play majority of the game. You're already without Kyle Williams. Uh Brian, things are not looking good right now on the defensive side. You have Adam Plant who did not play last night, a late, late scratch uh for, for the Rebels in that one. This team needs to get healthy. And without a healthy Doug Brumfield in the lineup, I, I don't know if this team look, The good news is there's some bad teams coming up on the schedule. Reno, Hawaii, Fresno's not very good. But it doesn't matter how bad they are. The margin of error is so thin that if you play like you did last night, you could play Sisters of the Poor, and you're going to lose that game. They got to get healthy, and Brian, they've got to play better. And not just significantly better. They have to play a lot better than what they've done the last two weeks. And it's going to start with getting healthy. I, I, I mean, yeah. we, we talked about how good Doug Brumfield is, and, and, and I've raved about him being the, the best quarterback I've seen at UNLV since Jason Thomas. I think you see why I made the, the, those, those comparisons and why I've made that comment. Because this is a completely different team without him on, on the field.
0: Yeah, there's no question about it, Chris. I said it after watching the game, that if Doug Brunfield's in the game, I'm not saying Air Force doesn't still score a plethora of points because the bottom line is it looked like I was watching the old Oklahoma wishbone with Brad Roberts and John and John Lee Eldridge in there. The two of them just were running muck over UNLV. I mean, the bottom line is Zeke Daniels didn't have to do a whole lot at quarterback, just hand the ball off, run a couple of options. It was crazy. I think the beginning of the game, I think on the first drive – I don't know that you let Cam Friel run an option and make a decision. I think you either have him pitching the ball or running the ball. The play was without question gave him an option. And I think him thinking about that option is why he didn't secure the football. I don't think you want a quarterback in his second year that's not your regular starter having to make those kind of decisions. Now, again, uh, you know, you would say that's okay, but I don't like it. I I, I didn't like the play call and, you know, you don't expect the quarterback to get the ball strip, but I think when he's got other things on his mind, do I pitch? Don't I pitch? Okay, no, I don't pitch. Then he starts running. Next thing you know, the ball's out of his hand that was terrible um you know again mistakes do happen but Chris we did say it and I said it a couple of weeks ago and I'm going to live with this statement I said it again on the pre -pre pregame show yesterday this team will go as far as Doug Brumfield can take him we said at the beginning and you see what a difference maker he is six five 225 pounds and he's a sophomore. This kid has NFL size and I think NFL potential. I know it's a huge boast, but I think he's definitely going to get a look at a training camp when it comes time in a couple of years, provided he stays healthy and continues to progress. I did have a chance after the game to ask Coach Arroyo about Doug Brumfield and his health and what's going on with his current situation. That's what he said. What is the status of Doug Brumfield right now? Uh, his
3: concussion protocol was... Uh... Was towards the late stages, end of the week. Uh, did a little workout on Friday um, and did some stuff and walk through stuff. So again, it's it's touch and go to always say he's clear to go. We see how he is with certain aspects of the environment. You know, there's lights and there's noise and stuff like that. Some things that play into uh, um, some of that protocol to get tested out of. So hopefully we can get him back on the field here, ASAP.
0: ASAP could not be overextenuated, and uh he did talk about Aiden Robbins and it was a knee issue with Aiden Robbins you never like hearing a knee issue with the running back and as far as as Adam Plant Jr. went Chris you talked about him being late scratch he was and when Brunt when Coach Arroyo was asked about that actually it was uh I believe Paloma asked him that question and he basically said an undisclosed injury didn't talk about it wouldn't talk about it and uh it ended the conversation, ended that question. I mean, one sentence answer. So those are things that are going to be have to be corrected, Chris. And as you mentioned, this team absolutely has to get healthy. And you talk about some of the teams on their schedule. I think to them, uh, they'll welcome the bye week to get healthy. I imagine some way, shape or form, unless there's more to it, Doug Brumfield will be on the field in South Bend to play against Notre Dame a week from Saturday, which will be on the 22nd. Um, then they go on the the road after that, they've got two games on the road back to back at San Diego State. And Chris, we talked about this yesterday on and off the pre pregame show, and that was about you know we saw the formula for success against UNLV. Uh, San Jose State showed them on on defense. You have to punch them in the mouth. Air Force didn't necessarily have the size that San Jose State had, but they punched UNLV in the mouth. Four turnovers. The, the physicality level, I saw it intensified with Air Force, which was something I was concerned about, whether they had the personnel to play that kind of football or not. And now you're talking going into Notre Dame, who definitely can be physical. I mean, they outweigh UNLV. Out athlete UNLV. I mean, what do you want to say? You're playing against Notre Dame, who at the beginning of the season was one of the a top 10 ranked team in the country. It is going to be interesting to see if UNLV can even compete. And if they don't, and if they get beat up, a week later they go to San Diego State. Not a great football team, but Chris, this is one of the more physical teams in the uh in the Mountain West Conference. And the one thing San Diego State has always preached, even though they've had guys like Didell Pumphrey that have been a you know, a some good running backs, some good play, some good wide receivers at San Diego State over history, some good quarterbacks. They are known as a defensive football team. They play defense, and they play physical, a very physical brand of football, and that is the remedy to beat UNLV. So all that spells, I'll say, scary at best for UNLV. So chances are this team could come back to Allegiant Stadium on November the 11th to play Fresno State, a team they should beat, but they could be one game under 500. very likely at four and five. Now, again, they could win this San Jose State game. I mean, you know, anything is possible. Any given Saturday, let's call it that. that. But the bottom line is it's going to be tough the next two weeks for UNLV. I do think they come back four and five, and then you've got to find a way to regroup, rejuvenate, pick it up, and find a way to beat a Fresno State team you could get to get back to 500 and then you're down to two games to play. One on the road to Hawaii, which is always a tough game regardless of the fact Hawaii is not good this year. You gotta go there, there's a time change number one. And number two, it is very tough to stay focused in Hawaii. Hopefully, with maybe their record and understanding a bowl game could be on the line. That's a game they've got to find a way to win. And then of course they come home, the biggest game of the year, their rival game against the Wolf Pack from that team up North. Um, and that, that could be the game that comes down to a bowl game. It's at home. The cannon will be there. But again, by no means the mark that game is a win in the book. So who knows where UNLV is going to go be going forward. But again, the broken record is here if Doug Brunfield does not get back on the field, this team is in trouble. And I think they're going to need, uh, not only are they going to need Aiden Robbins back, Chris, you talked about it a lot. They're going to need Kyle Williams back as well. They're going to need all their horses to make a run to be bowl eligible this year. And that's sad after a four and one start when things were looking so promising. I'll leave this conversation at this. I still believe that UNLV is better than they've been in years, but they're just not that good. Real quickly, guys, let's, I, 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 can't, I can't spend a lot of time, at as we are running low on time, but how about Major League Baseball playoffs? I knew there was diversity this year. I knew that I, I, not, not diversity is probably not the right word. I'll say more parity this year, um, but it really looked like the cream was rising to the top. 111 win for the Dodgers, the Padres without Tatis Jr. How do they win a series in the blast? Not just one now, they've won two series. they won a three-game series, a five-game series, and they're headed to the NLCS against the other surprise, Bryce Harper and the Philadelphia Phillies. How cool was that? After the game yesterday, Bryce Harper talked about getting the Phillies to the ALCS. Of course, he's had a, had a tremendous season again, having a good postseason, and Bryce Harper can be a difference maker. And the Phillies match up really well against the San Diego Padres, even though they go on the road to pay the Padres starting on Tuesday. But this is what Harper had to say after the game.
4: This is, you know, step two and what we've been through. Um, you know, step one being the wall card, this being the, you know, step two, and then you know, we got two more. So um You know, the plan all along was to come here and try to win. I just think as an organization, right, we haven't been here for a long time. Um, And to be able to do this and do it with the group of guys that we have and, you know, kind of where we started and um, now where we're at. You know, I don't think any of us are shocked about where we are. Um, We're really excited about the opportunity ahead for us. And um, we've taken every opportunity and tried to, you know, go with that. And I can't wait till Friday night when we get back. Um, Of course, we're not going to look ahead, right? Um, We're going to take care of business out on on the West Coast and come home and, you know, hopefully have that same opportunity to do this again.
0: And, uh, you know, that's 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 it. It's going to be a hell of a series. I love the San Diego-Philadelphia matchup. I think it's really cool. I'm very surprised that the Padres were able to put it together. They thought they were getting Tatis back. He gets suspended using performance-enhancing drugs, and here they are in the uh, ALCS or in the NLCS. Really cool. On the other side, Houston, no surprise there. They'll host the ALCS. I think people expected that. But I think they expected them to be playing the New York Yankees. And yesterday, the Yankees blew a two-run lead in the ninth inning. And uh, you got the sound on that, Spencer. Spencer's going to play that right now.
2: Here
3: it comes. Swing and a liner back up the middle base, hit into center.
0: Here comes Quan. Here comes Rosario. a walk-off, Spencer, a walk-off for the Cleveland Indians against the New York Yankees to put them up two games to one. Game three, or I should say game four, will be in Cleveland a little after four o'clock today. And I'll tell you what, man, the Yankees back up against the wall. Aaron Judge, 62 home runs on the season. He finally hit one out yesterday in Cleveland, but laid an egg in the first two games. That is unacceptable. You've got to have your star player, the all-time single season home run leader uh, with the New York Yankees has got to come through and they're going to need him the rest of the way. They're going to need all of this stuff up. They're going to need their pitching to play better. And uh, this is really a scary thing. I mean, I can't believe Major League Baseball right now has got to be shaking their heads. I mean, the last thing they want to see is San Diego play Cleveland in the World Series. As As much as I wouldn't mind that as a fan, you know, two teams that Both are trying to get a World Series victory. Um, Major League Baseball would much rather, I think, see uh, New York now play the Phillies is what I'm sure they're pulling for, two bigger markets. But uh, we'll see what happens. I'm pulling for the Phillies and Bryce Harper. Of course, Brian Harper being a buddy of mine, a guy I do business with on my real estate life for my mortgage life, uh, I'm pulling for the Phillies. And of course, Bryce being a local guy. So we'll see what happens. But really exciting, man. MLB playoffs have not disappointed whatsoever. And I think the NFL this year isn't going to disappoint either as I don't remember seeing this much Parity in the NFL in a long time. Let's quickly transition over to the bones and talk about the Raiders. Uh, Last Monday night, man, I mean, we're all shaking our heads. They go up 70 to nothing. They look so Good on the road against Kansas City. You knew Patrick Mahomes was gonna bring Kansas City back. I don't think you knew Travis Kelsey was gonna get four touchdowns in the game, but you knew that that the Kansas City would come back. They did come back. They take a lead. Andrew, Andrew Reed makes a horrible decision to go for two to try to put them up by two scores, you know, midway through the fourth quarter and thinking we'll go up nine. Instead, they miss the two-point conversion. They don't convert, and the Raiders get a break. They're only down seven, one touchdown, and the Raiders come back. Get that touchdown on a big third down conversion to Devontae Adams' the second TD of the game. And then what do they do? Josh McDaniels decides to go for two points. I am still absolutely astonished at that move. I'm not going to agree with anybody. I'm not going to let him blame it on analytics. It was absolutely garbage after you get to come back and you, you come back in this game. How the hell? Do you let that happen? I just don't know. I don't know how, because again, to me, when you score that touchdown, there's still over four minutes, four minutes and 24 seconds to go in the game when when the Las Vegas Raiders score to – for what looked like to be a game tying touchdown. You have all the momentum. Now you're on the road. You just lost the lead and you came back and did this, which no one expected you to do. You're tied with four and a half minutes to go in the game and you decide to go for two You and, and you try to talk about analytics. And, you know, I really like Chris Matthews and I'm going to play this right now. Chris Matthews asked, Josh McDaniels in the press conference on Tuesday. You don't have that one. Oh, Spencer doesn't have it. I sent it to you. Um, but um that is uh, but Chris Matthews asked Josh McDaniels about the um about that. And uh you know why he went for 2 and Josh McDaniels basically kind of said, you know, analytics and we had already made that decision beforehand. I was astonished at the decision. I'm not going to refrain from that whatsoever. It was a horrible move. I know he knows it was a horrible move, and I didn't think he addressed it well enough at the end of the game because I don't know what you say about it. But the bottom line is on the road, you've got the momentum. It's like it took the air out of the balloon. And then Kansas City, they're able to stop them, and all they would have had to do was uh, get in field goal range to win the game instead of trying to get in field goal range to win the game. But if you don't make the field goal, you lose as opposed to tying and going into overtime. I don't want to hear you don't want to play overtime in Kansas City. I'm sorry. The last team to score in regulation has the momentum. The Raiders would have had the momentum going into overtime, and had they gotten the ball first, anything could have happened. I, I just, just a really, really bad coaching decision, and um, I, I, I got to see him make up for that. Spencer Mags, I got to see him make up for that. I am, I am still bewildered. Like I said yesterday or last week when it happened, I tweeted out that you know what, it took me a long time to comment because I was repulsed by it, and I'm not. You know, I'm a Detroit guy. I, you know, I'm a member of the media. I can't really say I'm a Raider fan or not, but I want him to do well I want him to have success here in Vegas obviously that's not the way to get it done it was really really bad and also after the game you remember Devonte Adams was walking off the field he had an incident he runs into a kid on his first day on the job as an assistant to a photographer now granted the kid didn't look to his right or he would have saw Devonte coming he just kind of walked across but Devante didn't you know, just walk right, walk, basically walk through the kid, shoved him down to the ground. I don't know about the lawsuit now and that stuff. I'm not going to get into that. The bottom line, huge mistake. And this is the way Josh McDaniel, when brought that question about Devontae, this is what he had. Oh, you don't have that either. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. He didn't have that. Spencer doesn't have stuff. I was going to play that. But Josh McDaniel after the game, I really did not think that what he had to say uh, was appropriate. I think he he spent too much time defending Devontae Adams and saying, well, he didn't think Devontae Adams meant to do it. He knows he didn't mean the guy any harm. Don't say that. Say, wow, that was tragic. He said, look, we don't want that kind of thing. Devontae knows that's not the what we want to be represented as the Raiders. That wasn't enough. There there should have been a a, a devout apology. To this camera person, I think he will get fined by the NFL. They had an extra week to decide on this. I think even a one-game suspension might be in order. You can't open up Pandora's box, and I don't care if you're pissed off. I don't care if you're mad. You absolutely cannot shove a patron down to the ground for any reason unless maybe somebody runs on the field during a game. I don't have a problem with a player knocking a, a fan down when they run on the field in the middle of the game. You can't have that. But in this case, absolutely abysmal disgusting uh Raiders next uh they got a week off they go on they actually come home to play the Houston Texans I think that's a very forgiving and a good matchup for them in a week from now probably make them two and two and four two and five it's not good enough man I'm sick to my stomach over this and uh right now the Raiders uh you know probably two and four after next week but uh they've got a long road to haul and Josh McDaniel really has got to coach better. It's just that simple guys. I'm not going to pull any punches real quick around the league. we got about three minutes left today. Um, huge game starting, starting up really quickly, really soon here. And that is one of the best matchups I think on the game. The Ravens at the New York Giants right off the get-go this morning. Spencer, I'll let you chime in on this. Lamar Jackson having what people consider an MVP season. I saw that in him, but they are three and two. This is a huge game against maybe the biggest surprise team in the NFL this year along with the Philadelphia Eagles although we knew the Eagles were going to be good I didn't know that we they'd be 5 and 0 oh good but if you would have told me the Giants were going to be 4 and 1 right now after 6 5 games I'd have told you no way what is with all Giants other than the fact that the obvious they got Saquon Barkley back and he's healthy right now and right now the best running back in the National Football League
4: well, I think it always helps when you don't have, you know, uh, a special teams coach as your head coach. I mean, they, they've just been mismanaged for a long time. And I think that they really went through the process this offseason, got perhaps one of the best candidates out there, the offensive coordinator for Josh Allen. Now, it looks like Josh Allen's kind of offensive coordinator proof in a sense that anytime you have on your football team, is going to be good. But there's no doubt about it. He had a good system there in Buffalo, and he brought it right over, uh, you know, to the Giants. And I think that he's you know, had a good coaching staff around him. I think the front office is doing a good job. They still have some problems on the team. They actually don't have a very good roster. Darius, Tony, they drafted in the first round. They gave Kenny Galladay a bunch of money. And he can't do anything with
0: it. But it's coaching to me. It's the biggest difference. Maybe the other great games. We're out of time. But, uh, hey, you've also got the Bills playing the Chiefs today at 125. Great game. And the nighttime matchup tonight, the Cowboys at the Eagles. NFC East showdown should be great. I want to thank Spencer, the Wiz Ostrowski, Chris Magnum, Chapman, back Studio. I'm Brian Feldman. This is Out of Line 8 to 9 every Friday morning here on Fox Sports Radio.